So it is my privilege today to introduce my friend, uh, Manuel Sosa. Uh, Sonia and I have been friends with Manuel and his wife, Berta, uh, for about five years. Uh, and uh, we are honored to, uh, to call them not just partners in ministry, uh, but friends. Um, and uh, Manuel is staying at, at our apartment right now. I have stayed in their home in Dallas, Texas, uh, and uh, truly good friends. Uh, he and Berta spent about three decades um, doing church planting, uh, teaching in a seminary, doing all different kinds of work uh, in three different South American countries. So I'll let him tell you about that and share uh, from the word of God today. So uh, why don't you give a uh, Brooklyn round of applause to Manuel. Manuel. Not used to applause. Uh, it's been a while since I preached a whole sermon in English, so if you hear some strange words, it's probably Spanish, because it, it has been a while. But the theme that, that I picked really for the, for the whole week uh, for the church is from 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Paul, writing to that church, says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with with love. with love. I, st I still don't not hearing it loud enough with love. And because it says increase so we did increase a little bit every time you said it uh, we're not overflowing yet with love. all right maybe okay with love for one another it starts here with us and for everyone. for everyone. It starts with us, and it has to flow. It has to go to everyone. Everyone that is around us and everyone that surrounds us, everyone that is in this world is a child of God. Uh, we had an unfortunate encounter coming to church this morning, uh, some man yelling at some woman, and he said, you are a pitiful excuse for a human being besides some horrible bad words that he said and, and, and that hurt me more than, than the bad words because that lady is a child of God uh, whatever her situation condition is God sees her as his child uh, we need to see them as God's children so for each other which is great but for everyone there's a little bit more just as we do for you uh, try, mark that in your Bible, try, that, try to remember that, try to live by that. Love for everyone, for one another, but for everyone. Steve told you a little bit about our ministry, and, and I'm not going to share too much because I'm, I'm doing it in, in the small groups, and some of you, are, I've already worked with a couple of you, uh, small groups, and we'll be doing that. But also, uh, I'm not offended if sometime you raise your hand and might have a question. I'll, I'm glad to answer that. If you don't understand what I say, all right, I'll, I'll do this. You know, I wasn't sure I was coming until Thursday, late Thursday. My wife was supposed to be coming with us three weeks ago today. She got something in her eye that the doctor still can't figure out what it is. She just sees uh, two of me and two of everything. And I told her, you're doubly blessed because you see two of me. <laughs> so 
So, but problem is she can't walk uh, without, so she's got a, a patch and trying to do things. So until we talked to the final doctor, we decided Thursday uh, I was coming. She wanted me to come. She insisted that I come. One of her daughters came, came up and one of her brothers will be with her. But I, I don't like folded mics. The lapel mic isn't working this morning. It's just been one thing after another after another, pre preparing for the trip. Uh, first, I thought maybe God doesn't want me to go, and then I, I really felt it's not God; it's the enemy. Uh, so we're here, we're here. So we're I we're going to I'm going to try and, and, and speak what the Lord has given to me this morning, and we have just been this this week has been a holiday for. Somebody mentioned it. What, what was the holiday this week? Fourth uh, of July. We're, we're still in, in the Fourth of July week. The AAA or the American Automobile Association predicted that 46.9 million people would be traveling this week. The largest amount of people traveling since they've started keeping records about 20 years ago. Pretty much 47 million people travel this week, including the mission group, traveling for something great. Uh, even with gas prices, people are still going out. One thing that every one of us that travels, I know, and you know, when before you travel, is you know exactly where you're going. I don't think any of, any of us walk out the door in the morning and have no idea where we're headed. We know where we're going, and if, and if it is a trip, it is something that you've dreamed about, you've planned for, uh, have planned, prepared, and have hopefully found a way to pay for that trip also. Another group was telling me that they were staying at an Airbnb instead of a hotel because it's a little bit less expensive. But it's closer to Steve, Stephen. It's closer to the church here. So we plan. We prepare and we find a way to pay. Some people don't have a way to pay, so what do they do? <laughs> That's a good one. They'll put it on the credit card and hopefully can pay it off before next vacation time or next time they want to go on vacation. But let me say this, the better prepared for the trip, the less, less chances of things happening that can make the time of pleasure a time of pain. Preparation is necessary before a trip. So I have three things I want to talk about. Plan, prepare, and pay. If you want to go on missions. My sermon this morning is before you go on missions. This is necessary. Before you go on missions, we want to do missions. We want to get Mosaic Church involved. But it is not haphazard. It is not unplanned. It is not, well, let's do missions. Let's go to the park. We've heard what missions is. We've heard people that are involved in missions. And there's a ton of ways for you to be involved in missions. But you've got to be doing it the right way. You've got to be doing it first because God has asked you to do it. And you've got to be doing it because then you just do it. What, what was the first lady's name? Rebecca, Rebecca, should have remembered that. My oldest daughter is Rebecca. Where's Rebecca? Where's she there you are. Uh, and she said, do it. 
that when the Lord calls you, do it. Stephen has heard me say this, just do it. I love the Nike slogan. We need to do it. God calls, he puts it in your heart. We've got to act on it. And that's the first thing, is that the Lord has got to put it on your heart, then he'll take care of things. And we, I, I want to touch on, on those things this morning. But plan, prepare, and pay. That is important when we're talking about missions. And I'm talking about before you go. When my wife and I were called, I was a high school band director. I studied music, was a band director for eight years. When we were uh, called to go to missions, we also felt that we needed to prepare in the right way, and so we went to seminary. At that point, we had two children and an eighth month that was getting ready to be born. So we waited until he was born. We decided we were in Texas. I felt the call to, to go to the seminary, and of course, in Texas and anywhere else, Southwestern Seminary is the best seminary in the world. I applied for it, we got accepted, but a godly man, friend of ours, kept saying, I think you and Bertha belong somewhere else. He was our director of missions uh, there in Corpus Christi. And uh, I said, why would I want to go anywhere else? Southwestern is here in Texas, we'll be at home. And he said, but God tells me that you need to be somewhere else. And he said, we have a scholarship for anybody who wants to go to seminary in New Orleans. We'll give you $75 a month. I'm not going to New Orleans for $75 a month. I said, well, that didn't work. And I said, my dad and I, because Bertha had just had the baby, are going to go look for an apartment in Fort Worth so we can go to seminary there in a couple of months. And he says, you know, Manuel, you're halfway to Kansas City. If you drive to Kansas City, go talk to a friend of mine at that seminary. So I'm going to pay your gas and two nights hotel and your meals. I said, great, I've never been to Kansas City. Maybe I can catch a, uh, I had just seen the Royals playing in Royal Stadium on TV that weekend. I said, maybe I can go to Royal Stadium on somebody else's penny. And so I told my dad, and he said, sure, let's drive to Kansas City. We went to Kansas City and talked to the seminary, talked to the professors. One of them said, there's over 250,000 Hispanics in Kansas City, and only one Spanish-speaking church at that time. That was it. If we're going to do missions, we better start now. I talked to my wife on the phone. We talked, we prayed when we got home, and we said, yep, we feel the Lord's calling us to Kansas City. So we might get a little bit of the call. We might get a little bit of what he wants us to do, just keep listening to people that he places in your pathway. Keep listening to his voice and he'll lead you to where you need to go. So we went to Kansas City and the first year we were there, we're from South Texas, remember this, my wife's family was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Never been there. She said, can we go for Christmas? I said, sure, why not? So we drove to Grand Rapids, 700 miles. We had an uneventful trip going there. This is Christmas. And I keep hearing on the radio, bad weather's coming. Bad weather's coming. I tell my wife, we need to leave a little earlier, a day earlier, uh, just to be sure that we don't get caught in the bad weather. In Corpus, this is winter for us, pretty much. <coughs> we got caught in the bad weather. 
And this is something else. When you go, be prepared. Be prepared for the bad weather that's going to come, because it's going to come. Things will come that you weren't planning for. Be prepared. Be flexible. Had never driven in snow. Didn't have snow tires. And it was bad, bad weather. Everything froze over. Ice was coming down. Snow was coming down. The roads were totally uh, covered with ice. We could not drive over 20 miles an hour because when I put the gas pedal down, it would fish them. I never had sense that. Uh, 20 miles an hour, it was below zero. It was icing. We were going so slow that the heater would not warm up because it was below zero the temperature outside. My kids had everything on, the parkas, the blankets, and we were too. Cars going to the side, 18 wheelers jackknifing, my wife praying, I'm praying with my eyes open, hour after hour after hour. Three o'clock in the morning, the car starts to warm up. And uh, we feel great, it's warm. Needle kept going up. It wasn't warm, it was hot, and then it overheated. And it's got those things. There was a service station that we pulled up. The fan belt had busted, three o'clock in the morning. Fan belt had busted, they didn't have any. But I grew up with a father that taught us to be prepared. You always have tools in your car, you had a can of oil, and in those days the cars would run out of oil or would need oil. And somehow or another, one or two years before that, I had also bought an extra fan belt, and I had it in the car. And they said, we've got a, a bay here, a garage you can pull out in and close the door. You have to do it yourself. I had to do, 20 minutes later, we were in our way. Uh, when I bought that fan belt, I couldn't even remember. But I think the Lord put it in my heart. We need to be prepared before we go. It is important, and that's what we're talking that's what I want to be talking about this morning. Be prepared if you want to go on mission. Now, uh, put the second one there. Thank you. Before you go, that's a real plane. That's the newest Airbus. Just came out a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so it's there. Let's look at number three. The next slide, please. <clears throat> Before you go, will you look at page 600 on the blue Bibles that are there? Isaiah. If you want to use your own Bible, Isaiah 1, uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 10. It is page 600 on the blue Bibles that are on the chairs. But I'm reading from Isaiah, chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Isaiah, speaking to the people, says, Hear the word of the Lord you rulers of Sodom. Sodom doesn't exist anymore, but he's calling them this, the leaders. You rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. First to the leaders, then to the people. But look how he compares them. The rulers of Sodom, the people of Gomorrah. <clears throat> and look at the question that he first starts with. What are all your sacrifices to me? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the religious. Asks the Lord. I have had enough 
of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from me? Who asked you to come to church this morning? Why did you come to church? This trampling of my courts, coming to church, it calls it trampling of my courts. Stop bringing useless offerings. Now the key word there is useless. It doesn't say stop bringing offerings, okay? Stop bringing useless offerings. In other words, that which is left over, that which, okay, give this. Uh, he didn't say stop giving offerings. The useless offerings, the one that you don't pray about, the one that you don't do it from heart, your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbath and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. And again, he didn't say I cannot stand your festivals. I cannot stand your Sunday morning service. He cannot stand the iniquity that is associated with you coming to church sometimes is what he's telling them. I hate your new moons, again, and your prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, oh, listen to this, I will refuse to look at you. And if you offer countless prayers, what does he say there? I will not listen. Why? Because your hands are covered with blood. And then it starts to change. So he says, wash yourselves. If you're going to be involved in this, wash yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's, the widow's cause. And now he says, come, let's settle this. Let's talk about this. Let's get this straight. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. No matter what you've done, the Lord can cleanse you. If you're willing, we'll read this. Though they are crimson red, they will be like white wool. And if you are willing and obedient, not just willing, we're willing to do a lot of things, but are you obedient to do it the right way, the way he wants it? If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Plan, prepare, pay. Let's look at why I have chosen this from this text here. Plan, prepare, play, pay. Don't overplan either. We started uh, opening new works in the city of Guayaquil, a city of about four million people in Ecuador. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about the missionaries that are there. And we're trying to get churches involved. We're trying them to think beyond the four walls. Missions is just stepping out of the church. That's missions. And uh, we, we continually, we talked about with a small group yesterday, uh, Jesus was always going, never staying in one place, going, going, doing. And, and this is missions. So I talked to one of the pastors that had probably the, the second biggest church in the country. And I said, Marcos, you, you need to be about this. You need to get your, your church 
be moving, to be doing missions, to be thinking beyond these walls. He said, Manuel, we just built a building. We need to pay for it. I'm working on stewardship. I'm working on, on the church being good stewards, giving more money. We need to get out of debt. We need to have more leaders. We need to do this. We need to do that. And uh, basically, he said, when we get all our ducks in a row, we'll think about new words. We'll think about missions. But I've got to train my people first. I've got to get them paying or giving more, doing more, and then we'll think, think about missions. Well, today, they're probably the church in that country that are doing more. But he was with us last January. And he said, you know, we wasted 20 years. Our church could have been bigger 20 years ago, not now. He said, I was wrong. I was wrong. We should have looked at God and done what God was asking us to do. We need, we need to plan before we go. Um, next one. <clears throat> one of the things that I am bombarded with is there's new conferences. There's new books. There's better speakers. Come to this and your church is going to be bigger. Come to this and your church is going to be doing so much more. Your discipleship is going to be the best in town. You're going to get new members to be coming. Those of you that are in ministry and maybe not even in ministry, I get five or six of these emails every day. For $649, you can come to this conference and your wife can come free. And after this, this is going to happen. This is not the preparation I am talking about. Yes, prepare, study, read. But this is not what you need to be basing your going on. We learn, we take from what God can, can teach us from different people. But if we think about this only, and this is just from one day that I pulled this thing off. God has got to be first. Wade Aikens, that wrote a, a book, he was a missionary to Brazil, called Pioneer Evangelism, always said in his conferences, put the first things first. And God has to be first. It's not the book, it's not the conference, it's not certainly not the speaker that you're bringing. You've got to put the right things first. God has to be first. You've got to prepare for what God is calling you to do and not going out and trying to find things that just are not there. We can go to the conferences, we can go to the books, uh, we can have great speakers. And I'm not against any of that, because I've done it all myself. But God has to be first. And first, he says on there, when he's speaking, the first of the text, hear the word of the Lord. How do we hear the word of the Lord? It's in the Bible. We need to get back to the Bible. We need to be reading the Bible. We have to understand it. We have to obey it. Don't let all these new strategies, the fads, become what we're looking at and trying to be. And then when he continues to be, uh, or talk, starts talking about the people, what I see is there, he says, be right, not religious. These people were very religious people. It's not that they weren't going to church. They were always in church. The leaders were finding ways to get the people in the church. They were a given people. They were given of the best. And God calls it the worst. 
These people were dressed to impress every time they met and would give and would sing and would pray. But God didn't like it. You can follow a plan. You can implement the latest strategy. You can have the lights. You can have the fog machines. There, the big churches in Texas, they got fog going on when they're worshiping. Uh, looks like my son came from Nashville and he said, wow, he said, this is more than any show I've been at in Nashville. Fog everywhere, different lights flashing, strobe lights everywhere, and this is worship. If God tells you, yes, do it. If you do it to impress the people, to get different people to come, then no. All this tires God. Uh, we want to shine lights and we forget the hymn, the song, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Lord, the light of your light is shining. Nowadays, it's the Lord with the strobe light, the different colored lights, the HD screens, a high definition. We have that. Why? Because we're not following the things. God doesn't listen to our prayers. Did you listen to that? Did you hear that? God doesn't listen to our prayers. That's what he said. Uh, verse 15. Somebody, people will preach, God always listens. And he, right here the Lord says, no, absolutely not. I will not listen to your prayers. I will not even look at you. I'll turn away from you because you're doing it wrong. You're doing it for each other. You're not doing it what I've asked you to do. You can be pious in your own eyes. You can spread out the hands. Uh, here I am. Lord, let's have the next uh, screen on there. I refuse to look at you, he says. He turns away. And even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Why? Because your hands are covered with blood. You know, I was going to, to put a picture of hands covered with blood, and it was just too gruesome. Uh, it just didn't look good. It didn't look right. It probably would have been offensive to some people. Maybe I should have done it. But that's the way God, God feels about us. Because you're coming into church for all the wrong reasons. You're doing maybe even missions for all the wrong re reasons. You get more people involved. Maybe they'll be missionaries someday. That's not the way it works. we got to do the right thing first. Your hands are covered with blood. Your body is full of sin. Plan for missions. Do missions. But don't do it by the book. Do it by the book. Do it by the, what the Word of God says. Sometimes we think we have a plan. We're following the book. No, we need to follow the book. We need to follow the Bible because otherwise it's not going to work. Okay, we plan mixes. We prepare. We're ready to go. We've thought about where we're going to go. We, we know what we're going to do. How do we prepare? Wash yourselves. Remove your evil deeds. Stop doing evil. Don't be a vile mind. Don't be evil in what you do or think. Stop. Do you know that evil, if you take the E and put it in the end, is vile? Evil, vile, same thing. So, he says that. Stop. Don't do that. Uh, 
what you've done in the past. Don't come in here with blood in your hands. Don't come in here with, with sin. Don't come with plans to do something that is not what I've asked you to do. But do do this. Learn to do what is good. You learn it from the Bible. You learn it from prayer. You learn it from other people that are doing it. Pursue justice. We talk about there needs to be a balance about spirituality, about preaching the word and being involved in the community. Here it is. Pursue justice. Don't, don't only talk about it. Don't only have forums. Don't only learn it from books. Do it. Pursue. Correct the oppressor. Somebody's been an oppressor? Go vote for the other candidate that, that God maybe has put there. Uh, are you doing your part to change what is wrong in the city, what is wrong in the church? It says here, correct the oppressor. We need to do things all, all the time. Defend the rights of the, fa the fatherless, the vulnerable. See? It is, it's part of what God wants us to do. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the wid widow's case, the vulnerable again. It's not just one person's, one group's mission. It is your mission. It is my mission. So we need to we need to plan. We need to prepare correctly, and spiritual preparation is necessary all the time. But then comes, okay, who's going to pay for this? Who pays for the rent on this? Stephen told me what they pay, and I figured out it's about 550 somewhere uh, a week. That's a lot of money. I couldn't pay for that. Lord pays for it. Lord will always find a way to do things. Do the right thing first, God says. And then he says, come, let us settle this. Okay? You're prepared. You're planned. God forgives everything. God is going to accept you. The planning and the preparation gets you ready for him to use you. And here's what it says. To me, and in Jeremiah 33, 3, he will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Here we go. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, he will act. He will do what he wants you to do. There is much to do before you can go. There is much to do before you do it the way he wants you to do it. And it becomes with the right relationship with God. Why do you do things? Why are you here today? Why are you planning about mission? And he's speaking to some of you. Uh, God's spirit is here. God's spirit is speaking to some of you about doing more, about doing it differently about having a change in your lifestyle, in your heart. Otherwise, he doesn't accept what you're doing to be seen or for any other reason. It begins with the right relationship. It's not about being religious. It's not about doing outward things that others can see, but by letting him cleanse your heart, forgive your sin, prepare you for what he has you to do. He compares the people at that time to Sodom and Gomorrah. The sin was so bad that he destroyed them from the face of the earth forever. How does he see you? And he, again, he's talking about a very, very religious group of people. 
I think if we saw them, we'd say, wow, look at them. Look at how many are going to church. Look at how much the budget is. Look at how much they're giving. But God didn't see them like that at all. He did not like their religiosity. They're acting now. It meant nothing to him because in their minds and hearts and actions, they did not show the love of God. They showed the love for themselves. Uh, and they were living vile and corrupt and evil, evil, evil ways. God will not use you if you do not work on, on preparing yourself first. As an individual and as a church, doesn't matter how many missionaries you send. Doesn't matter how many trips you go to. Why are you going? Why are you doing it? Put on the most elaborate services. You can have the best. God wants you to do it his way. Come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. And he says, if you do it right, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. I will take care of it. I will help finance it. I will finance it completely. You have to be ready. You have to be prepared. And you have to know where you're going. And he's going to take care of it. If you are willing and obedient, you will, you will eat the good things of the land. What do you want as a person, yourself? What do you want as a church? Following Lucan services or obedience that begins in the heart. You can look up to others, but it's God being honored. When we were in the city of Guayaquil and we served in three different, uh, two mega cities and one very big city. Mega city is 10 million or above. Uh, in Guayaquil, there were 4 million people. A group of churches got together and brought in one of these faith healers and screamers and yellers and he would wave his hand and the whole stadium would just fall into ecstasy. A uh, friend of mine, pastor, we snuck into, he was, the pastor, this pastor was giving conferences on how to lead your church to be a spirit-filled church. And here's, here's one of the tricks, because this is what it was. He says, when you give the invitation, and nobody's accepting, you already have people that are planted, that when you give the invitation, they get up and come. Or you just point out somebody and say, you know the Lord's calling you, so come up and he's going to tell you what to do. What do you do if you just came to visit or you just sit in there? But he was telling you how to get people to come. He said, once you get five, six coming, you're going to have a lot more coming. So you have to just have to, have to get the first ones. So they had this little trick that they would do. And when they did this for a full week, I was putting gas during that week at, at one of the gas stations. And the attendant that was putting gas, because they still do that, uh, said, have you gone to the stadium? I said, I haven't. He said, well, I went because my wife told me that, that I should go. Uh, he had some problems with his hand. He couldn't move it correctly. And he said, the, the pastor will heal you. But he said, I didn't have enough faith. How do you know that? I asked him. He said, well, the pastor said to everybody, if you're not healed, it's because you're lacking faith. So he had an exit also. There was a lot of people that were healed, but 
during that week, they would have a lot of music, a lot of people fainting, a lot of people just falling. And they were supposed to pick the best worshiper of the week out of 70,000, because the stadium held 70,000. One of the soccer stadiums for the, uh, the club MLA in Guayaquil. After the whole week, they picked one person that his leaders saw demonstrating the best worship, the best spirit as, as a Christian, who jumped the highest, who spent the most. They picked one person, and they gave him a trophy for being the best worshiper for the whole week. Uh, the man came out, took his trophy home, everybody applauded, and this was the guy that just demonstrated to being closest to the Lord during the service time. Well, it happened to be the husband of my secretary. I was pastoring my secretary. He was the husband. He would meet his wife. He would stay out for days when he got paid. He would not bring home the paycheck. He was a drug, he was a drug user, but he could spin and he could yell. And they gave him the trophy for being the best worshiper that week. Is that what you want? The rest to recognize you for what you're doing? Or doing it for the Lord? Because that's what he has asked you to do. Don't need that. So, do you do it for men? Do you do it for appearance? Get your heart right. Before you go, before you do anything for the Lord, we need to be in step with him so that he will bless it. And then we can eat of the best thing. He will open the doors. I know. I come from the body of Corpus Christi, Texas. I come where uh, we were just dirty Mexicans. We were never going to amount to anything. My fifth grade teacher told my mom I would be a trash collector. Because I couldn't speak English because uh, I was not doing good in school. The Lord changed that. The Lord will, will change that. He's opened so many doors. We've been to so many places. We've been blessed by the Lord in so many different ways. And if he can do that to a cotton picker from Corpus Christi, uh, he can do it to some of you that are so well prepared, are gifted and talented in so many ways, but you've not opened up for the Lord to use you. The Lord wants to use those talents. Gave them to you for a purpose. Do it for Him. Do it correctly. Step out and He will show you those great and wonderful things that He has for you as a church and as an individual. Uh, I'll be around all week. Be glad to talk to any of you uh, individually. We've enjoyed what the Lord has done with us. We were living in South America for 30 years and He continues to use us we're glad to be here. Uh, I want to see some of you enjoying what God has for you. Uh, we love Steve. Uh, we love the whole family because they're young. Uh, we're passing on to a different stage of our life, but we see the Lord being faithful and still calling out people from everywhere. And all those that are working here in this area, we just feel so, so glad to see the young people coming out. Uh, those that are working in the office. We'd love to see you in heaven if you can tell us how the Lord used you. Hopefully, you have heard his word this morning. Let me pray.
Father, I thank you for uh, allowing me to be here this morning, physically, spiritually, in all ways. We're nothing without you, Lord. We need to recognize that. We need to give you our all, and you will give us so much more back. You have a whole world out there and want to use us this week, the group that has come, want to use us, uh, the church, beyond this week, as there are millions and millions of people, Lord, that need your word. We don't want to pretend to be anybody, Lord, except your child increasing and overflowing in love for ourselves, for each other, and for everyone, Father. May our lives today and every day demonstrate that. Again, thank you. Bless the rest of our day. And I ask you this thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.